ABC TV broadcasts over 120 hours a week. ABC Radio operates 1FM and 2AM services across Australia. ABC Satellite provides radio and television to over 300,000 Australians in remote areas. ABC News Bureaus operate throughout the world. ABC Orchestras draw an audience of over a million people. ABC Marketing <laughs> sells programs and materials throughout the world. ABC Shops publish and market books and discs around Australia. Radio Australia broadcasts to over 50 million people daily. And your ABC costs you just 8 cents a day. Sergio's Four for your rendition of our theme and welcome to episode 18 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast where we like to talk about the best comedy Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt and joining this podcast today is Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue and Tony. Hello. The whole game is here everyone. Which yeah, is great. Good, good to be doing it for, for an 18th time. Yeah, 18 episodes. Yes, We're doing pretty can't believe well. it. Mm. Very impressive. Okay, well, for the listener, if you don't like the feedback section, we're about to do that now, so it's pretty long. You skip about 10, 15 minutes <laughs> until you, you get the actual <laughs> review. Uh, just a warning. I, I'm trying to help out our listeners here and uh, because now it's time for... <laughs> And we have some Twitter feedback from Poxbox3030, who actually loves the podcast. Thank you very much. And they actually want to know if there's any chance of an uncut version of this podcast. <laughs> Poxbox30, how how long have you got? Because these, these go on for hours. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, they yeah. really what, do. Like- a longer version or like the uncut after dark all blue version? Yeah, yeah we, we, version. We, we could do a drunk version where we all get drunk. You know, just it's it's 9.40 a.m. here in London. So, you know, now is the perfect time for me to get pissed. <laughs> so we're not drunk already? What? Hang on. I, I, I normally don't start till 11, Tony. So, you know. <laughs> Honestly, as much as we would love to release an uncut version, we've told many stories which have got some pretty much some legalities behind it. (laughs) (laughs) As much as we'd love to release an uncut version, no, they just go way on for too long. If you're already putting up with one whole episode, an edited version, and you think it's boring, I'm sorry, you're just going to fall asleep within the next five minutes, unless you are going to enjoy that long version of it. So thanks again, Mm. Poxbox3030. But yeah, this is what you get. So, thank you. <laughs> Only the best stuff makes it to the podcast, rest assured. And also, uh, we've got some Facebook feedback from uh, a regular contributor to the show, Peter Phoebe. He just wants to point out that in episode 17 of the podcast, uh, in regards to the dinner party sketch with Rob, you know, with his head twisting and the ponytail and all that, they mentioned on the DVD that, uh, that he's doing an impersonation of someone and... Mm. But they never mention who that person is. Now, mm. I probably will censor this, depending. Well, they said, about 15 years later, I did ask a cast member of The Late Show who this was, who this person was, and that person was... Ah. 
Yeah. I, I, I had heard something about that because he, he was involved in some of the earlier Degeneration shows, I think probably more, more in writing. And we actually have a water key. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's fine. We, we do encourage feedback, positive, negative, uh, as long as if it's negative, it's constructive. But this one, I think I should soften the blow a bit with their own theme music. Now, this person, Jeez. their username is JDJD Diet Coke, right? <laughs> and they've said, the only way of dissecting something is to kill it. I was excited to find, <laughs> to find out there there was a podcast about one of my favourite TV shows when I was a teenager, but quickly realised that recapping comedy on a podcast is the equivalent of people quoting funny lines of a YouTube video in the comments. They talk over each other, trailing off into, so, yeah, which makes it an awkward listen. Yeah, well, um, so be it. Thank you very much. I do appreciate the fact that you've made the time and effort to write this feedback, gave us a two-star rating. So, yeah, all good. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. or Mrs. or whoever, JD, JD Diet Coke. I know you're from the UK because that's what is publicly available. And we'll send Alison around to your front doorstep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, going right now. Just leaving immediately. I will admit it is sometimes difficult to describe uh, some of the things we're talking about to people who haven't seen it. I mean, thankfully, a fair chunk of it is available on the Best Bits videos and there's even more, you know, floating about on YouTube. But... Um, yeah, we're sort of hoping that sort of for the rest of it, uh, we can still sort of describe what it's like, I suppose. Yeah, we only can do what we can do. We do this for fun and we do this because we're all late show DJ and comedy nerds. You can blame COVID because that's how it, this all started. Opinion noted. Two more things. This is actually news, which only was released a few days ago before this recording. I can't remember what episode it was, but there was one where we were talking about a certain TV show and there should have been a proper DVD release. Guess what? is coming out in August. (laughs) I was hoping you were going to say Rush. Because I would rush to get the Rush DVD release. <laughs> no, I was hoping for that, but the chances will no longer be those uh, Best Bits volumes on DVD, which are selling for like 100 bucks on eBay. They're putting out the whole lot. <laughs> they are putting out the entire collection, the entire series. Uh, oh, so wow. Collection 1, which consists of roughly, I think, 16 DVDs. So hang on, this is, this is like with Prisoner. They put every single episode of Prisoner out, so now they're putting every single episode of Chances out. Yes, and wow. if, it, if it sells well, then they'll release the entire thing. Here we go, 16 DVDs, Chances Collection 1. Does Chances have like a, a fan base overseas? Because I know that's how the Prisoner box set came about. I just don't think the, the local market can sustain the uh, the sheer entertainment of every episode of Chances on DVD. <laughs> yeah. hey, now you can see Jeremy Sims' ass for over across 16 DVDs. That's yeah. a big ass. Yeah. <laughs> Chances. Two... 1,745 minutes worth on a, in a box set or a collection of one. <laughs> so, Brendan Lonnie, please reach out. If you're going to do a promotional tour with that, you know, we're happy to chat, Mr. Frontbottom. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got one more thing, which is our competition, the Late Show Quote competition. So, this is what we've got so far. No, I am not the man from the Where's Wally books. I'm tired of people walking up to me and saying, 
Found you. What's all that about? I made love to her like a tiger. G'day from uh, Dominic. How are you? Do you believe in mental telepathy? No, I hear you think. Uh, maybe ugly, but at least I'll never be as ugly as an angular weapon. <laughs> you forgot the bad language? Shit. That's so good, that was. <laughs> yeah, that was from Sounds Stephen. exactly like him. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, who was a guest in uh, episode 17 of the podcast. Now, we actually have not one, but two new entries. Here's the first one. This is Tim. Careful. There's three cubicles and one of them contains a pong. Oh, my eyes working. Game over. <laughs> He's quoting barge ass and pong. <laughs> Sorry, I'll try to improve the audio next time. Yeah, this one is an absolute pearler, but I'm trying not to be biased or anything. I don't know this person, but when I heard this, I was going to edit it down, but the setup is pure brands. This is Clive's entry. All right, you got it set up. It's sure it's, you sure it's working? All right, well, here we go. Here's my recording. Tough. Uncompromising, no holds barred, no beg your pardons. It's time for those intentional sparring partners, <laughs> Graham and the bloody Colonel. Happy with that, are you? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, that like no, 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 so that's, that, that's what we sound like in our unedited form. <laughs> <laughs> that is that good, but it makes us sound a lot better than we actually are. It sounds like that. Yes. Now all in a draw for, to win the this week prize pack so if you want to hear what's actually in the prize pack just listen to the other episodes because there's a fair bit there and we we're seriously going on for too long that's my fault i mean i'm sorry now unless we don't have anything else to discuss right now i'm happy to go straight into daniel g's program guide okay so we're looking at a critical guide to the weekend's tv uh, in the saturday age uh, where ross warnicky gets to put in his uh, recommendations uh, his bouquets and brickbats essentially next to the program guide so uh, we'll start with channel seven uh, up against season one episode 18 on channel seven we've got uh, the name of the rose from 1986 mm. uh, says Key, this brooding adaptation of umberto echo's best-selling mood and mystery set in a 14th century benedictine abbey is grisly demanding but thoroughly absorbing sean connery plays a franciscan monk who does a sherlock holmes then i think this is a typo uh, we might have to get the pedantry stamp out pedantry f murray abrahams is outstanding is his rival the local inquisitor um over on channel nine uh there's quite a lot of guests scheduled to appear on hey hey we've got kate sobrano margaret ehrlich joe cocker tom berlinson darren hinch and some obscure australian band called deaf rhyme which again it's it's got my pedantry uh nerves tingling because it's spelled d-e-f-r-y-m-e so hang on Darren Hinch. Why would yeah, Darren Hinch on Hey Hey it's Saturday? Would it be yeah, with Darren Hinch? Uh, oh, um, mm. might, might have been a bit too early um, for that because uh, I think it, I think well, it no, Ray Ray's hosting. still hosting. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure Ray was still hosting uh, midday at the time. But yeah, I, I would like to uh, think that Darren Hinch did a number, maybe with Joe Cocker. <laughs> <laughs> Then at 8.30, we've got the 1989 comedy Loverboy, starring Carrie Fisher and uh, Patrick Dempsey. Uh, A corny yarn about a pizza delivery boy, played by Dempsey, who turns on every married woman he meets, much to the chagrin of the women's husbands. Says Warnicky, don't expect any cerebral stimulation from this one. (laughs) 
Then over on Channel 10, um, it's a double bill of uh, telemovies from a series called Desperado. Um, the first one at 8.30 is called The Outlaw Wars. Alex MacArthur returns in another of the Desperado telemovies about a wandering cowboy, surprise, surprise, who keeps running into trouble. I'm guessing it wouldn't be a very entertaining show if, uh, if, um, if he didn't run into trouble. This time it comes in the form of Bounty Hunters. Then uh, over on SBS, uh, we've got a black and white French comedy drama from 1953 called Touche Pas au Grisby, starring Jean Gabon, who uh, we saw uh, a few episodes ago uh, in another SBS movie called La Bandera. Uh, in this one, he plays Mr. Max, a luminary in the underworld, in this engaging story of crooks fighting over the spoils from a robbery. And last of all, we've got uh, the ABC. Not much to really report here. Um, before the late show, we had another episode of uh, the British sitcom Bread. All that Ross Warnicke had to say next to the late show is that it's a comedy sketch series. I think he's fairly accurate on that one. He's warming up. He's warming <laughs> yeah. up to it. <laughs> well, well, well he, he called Bread British comedy series, so he's, he's being... <laughs> yeah, at least he's not lying. Yeah, he didn't use quote ironic quote marks around the comedy either, did he? <laughs> no, not, not straight. this week, oh, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, then at 11 o'clock, we've got uh, a 1984 period drama starring Vanessa Redgrave called The Bostonians. Uh, all he says is that it's a poor adaptation of the Henry James novel. So, um, yeah, thank you, Lucky Stars. It wasn't order in the house again, I suppose. <laughs> then at 1am, we've got Rage featuring music video work of Madonna. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. Now we go to Season 1, Episode 18 of The Late Show, broadcast on Saturday, November 21st, 1992. Now we have the opening, which is a very polished opening. Uh, it's a parody of the 7-Up documentaries by Paul Armand and Michael Apted, and that is the 7 Minutes. I mean, seven up documentaries. So. <laughs> Every seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. I was a huge fan of the show. I even have the book here, 35 up. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> wow. The story of that the was of the, um, film. the book of the film. Yeah. So I've watched all of them. Um, but I was uh, a teenager when 35 up came out. So I bought the book and I lent it to my friend Kaneo, who was my partner in crime in the uh, opening sketch um, send up that I recorded back in 1994, which actually was this episode that we were, that we were actually um, reciting Um Slight tangent there. But, uh, yeah, this was really good. I I had this book. I lent it to Cuneo uh, a couple of years later, and I only got it returned last year. <laughs> so <laughs> I actually wrote it off and I thought, it's actually come in handy because I was reminiscing about um, all of these guys. But I believe that uh, Tony, who was the cab driver, was um, the guy who wanted to be a jockey when he grew up, and this guy wants to be a chef um, who's Mick. Um <laughs> No, no, a cook. A cook. A cook. Sorry, sorry. A cook. A cook. No, there is yeah. a difference there, isn't there? He says it all the time. He wants to be a cook. And uh, Michael Apted, who who passed away uh, last year, I believe, he was um, he's Rob, I believe, in, in this. Is, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they revisit every seven minutes um, what they want to do. Well, there was Kathy, <laughs> Helen, and Susan who were friends, and then seven minutes later, well, they still were friends. <laughs> One went to the toilet. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she had to go toilet. <laughs> I don't know if this made it to Australian television, but the they had the, well, possibly the final ever 7-Up, which was 63-Up in 2019. Uh, did that? Yeah. I should mention, if you want to watch any of the Up series, 
All nine films in this series um, are on SBS On Demand until the end of October 2021. And you can find out if Greg still wants to be a fucking cook. (laughs) (laughs) The most memorable thing from this real 7-Up series is there was that guy who emigrated to Australia and he just became really Mm. fat and happy. Remember him? Oh, (laughs) yeah. My family and wealth and he was just like... Living the big life. Yeah, he he grew up in like a like a children's home, didn't he? And then he he, he emigrated in the sixties or seventies or whatever. And yeah, he just yeah, that's, he, uh, Paul. Happy. His name is Paul. Paul, according to this. Yes, I can't remember all the names, yeah. but I, I remember he was that one that was saying, "Oh, my wife's going to make me eat all my vegetables." <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to get married because she'll tell me to eat my greens. <laughs> But then she ended up marrying this uh, this lovely lady, and and yeah, they, I think they're still together. Yeah, I think they were together in '63, up a couple of years ago, mm. anyway. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know whether anyone's going to take this over and do '70 up in in a few years' time. But um, well, I guess we'll I, find I, out. I, I hope they do because it, it'd be a shame to to let this thing uh, finish uh, at '63, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I know we know the inevitable conclusion to it all, but well, one of I, them's already died, so yeah. one of them died a few years before '63 up, and, and yeah. they talked about her in the program. I'm sure that Jeff can continue on filming it because he's not doing anything other than waiting for a train. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it almost sounds like like Santo's not putting on uh, a British accent uh, <laughs> with his bits. No. Yeah, the accents the accents are a bit dodgy in this, aren't they? They they can't decide whether they're doing them or not. The fashions are even dodgier, especially whatever Rob is wearing. Like, th- thankfully, it's it's sort of it's uh, it doesn't look as gaudy uh, when it's all turned into black and white. No. <laughs> and a fun fact for location fans: I'm pretty sure Santo is at Ripponlee train station. Mm, I thought the same. Yeah, which is just around from the Elstonwick Studios, and used to be my local train station when I lived in Melbourne. So, yeah, I think that's the great part of this segment is that it just looks great. Like they've yes. done some really great locations. There's this <laughs> sort of daggy, what would you call it? Like the uh, family room at the back of someone's house with with all the wood panelling on the wall and the, all the costumes are great and they just look good. So it's a very simple joke but it's all mm. beautifully. Yeah, it was impressive enough for someone to actually put in the Wikipedia entry for the 7-Up series <laughs> along with the <laughs> Simpsons 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> now, after the opening titles, we have the opening remarks and we have Mick and Tony talking about the 8 cents a day. Oh, please, come this Thank you very much. Welcome to The Late Show, coming live to you around Australia on the ABC. And how much does it cost our viewers these days? Eight cents a day. And we promise you will be getting your eight cents worth tonight. Eight cents of entertainment coming your way. Not a cent more, not a cent less. Eight cents. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get you around the copyright. Just, <laughs> just recite it. I think, oh, sorry. Are you sure? <laughs> Here it is. How much does it cost our viewers these days? Eight cents a day, Tone. Eight cents a day, and we promise you will be getting your money's worth tonight. <laughs> Eight cents worth of entertainment coming your way. Not a cent more, not a cent less. That's what I should charge for this podcast on iTunes now, that you can have a paid subscription on it, just eight cents. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're more worth 50 bucks, I reckon. <laughs> 
Uh, sorry, Kim. That's the. No, that's all right. Yeah, the guys are just talking about random things. There's a lot crammed in into the opening remarks, actually. And Tony went to the Bjelke Peterson family reunion. Well, um, you missed the joke there, which was they hadn't been together since they were on the jury for his trial, which was <laughs> a good joke. Yeah. yeah. And Prime Minister Paul Keating uh, signs the $5 note, which is illegal. And this is brought up a couple of times in the show. And you could go to jail. So Mick signs Steve Vizard on it. Mr Keating had signed two $5 notes for an artist by the name of Tire Siolander. And uh, he signed the notes as he arrived to open a new exhibit at the Great Barrier Reef Aquarium in Townsville. It was written about in the Townsville Bulletin and... um, uh, according to the, the the quick googling I did, uh, the, the 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 photographer and the uh, the article writer both got uh, a visit from the police, you know, to sort of help with their inquiries. Essentially, it all led to questions in the Senate about defacing the currency, which, as you heard in the monologue, uh, carries a fine of five thousand dollars and a maximum two-year jail term. I mean, thankfully, uh, we didn't hear anything about Keating going to jail or anything like that. So. And now Superman has been given the ass by DC Comics because he's too old. And oh, this is great. Everyone loves a cameo by Nono Garo. I mean, Nono Gelaro. Sorry, that's a bit of a... You're a get this fan, you'll know that joke. It, it, it just seems like, like uh, I mean, obviously he doesn't understand a lot of English, which probably helped in this case because he was just put in a Superman costume, stuck in the audience and just told to nod and smile at whatever they say. Yeah, I love the, I love the steely glare when he gets a nipple cripple. <laughs> Very intimidating. <laughs> Does anyone know why Superman was sort of pensioned off in the early 90s? Make money. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it, does, it, it does smell of a gimmick, doesn't it? It, it was a gimmick. DC Comics, they'd made quite a splash a few years earlier and you know, nerd alert here uh, when they killed off Robin from mm. and Robin so they decided to go one up and kill off Superman which of course he was dead in inverted commas for about three weeks and then there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on but um, they sold a lot of comics a lot of them in black plastic bags so they'd be even more valuable because you couldn't read them. Was that like a no spoilers sort of a... No it was or... like a untouched by human hands you'll make a lot of money selling this off in five years kind of deal except everybody thought the thought the same thing um they sold millions of copies and you can still pick them up now for like a couple of bucks if you want daryl braithwaite is in uh well he was in court he uh, lost a court case owed a lot of money whatever was going on in 1992 and uh, so daryl is busking in the streets and this scene is in the dvd but they obviously they dub over the actual song that he's performing because of copyright music licensing issues. But I, I think I think it's just that they didn't want to pay money to Van Morrison. It would have been a songwriting royalty rather than a, a recording royalty, royalty. I think. Yeah, because Braithwaite is performing Gloria. When they zoom out, then there's the big guitar case with a whole bunch of money in it, or very little money, but enough to collect to pay whatever the court case was. And they've clearly stapled down the money as well because you can see a bit of wind trying to blow it away. (laughs) For for those interested in locations, I think that it's outside David Jones on Burke Street Mall. And so after the opening remarks, we have the news desk with Tommy G. Pakistani police get tough on people who don't tuck their shirts in. You know what? I'm just going to do one blanket. (laughs) 
France and America continue the latest round of GAT talks, which is just a footage of boxes. So I don't know what match that was or who the people were. I think it's, it was just more uh, signifying that, yeah, the, the, the GAT talks between the, the two countries, which is to do with trade essentially, must have been uh, really fiery. Not, not, not fiery enough for me to look it up, to be uh, perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> All, all trade talks are boring. Take this from someone who's lived through the whole Brexit saga. It is dull as. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of fiery, the Queen Mother is to be punished for smoking in bed. And they show footage of the Windsor Castle on fire. And UN forced to fire Ed and Setter as a convoy driver. And they show footage of a rolled truck. So they're still going on with the Ed and Setter and uh, Mansell incident. But Mick does interrupt Tommy to correct him on the Queen Mother story. But now the news in... Sorry, Tommy, I I won't hear that. That's completely wrong about the Queen Mother. She was not smoking in bed. She has never smoked in bed. And I will not let you impugn her character like that on this news desk. What caused the fire? She was lighting her own farts. Let the satire begin. <laughs> love, love that. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Do we think that was a planned interruption? I reckon, yeah, because it's kind of like a bad joke followed by a sort of slightly better version of it, you know. <laughs> one thing I noticed watching this episode is it seems that, you know, Mick had finally sort of cottoned on to the fact that he was getting close to the breakout star of the show and was sort of reveling a bit more in his power than he had been in earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely is. But I I think this definitely was pre-planned because the way Tommy G says, let the satire begin, seemed very, very kind of scripted, but but beautifully done. That's my favourite bit of that. Yeah, this is definitely my my new favourite quote. Let the satire begin. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, Mick Mick pretty putting his arms up in the air with a big job well done face and just really reveling in that applause. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just excellent. And now to the news and the Prime Minister's struggle with Australian music continues. This is Prime Minister Paul Keating. After John Hewson forgets the lyrics to Advance Australia Fair, Keating fails as well. And later on, he's asked about the lyrics to Come On, Aussie, Come On. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and they also play a clip of, uh, or trying to release other funkier versions of the theme, uh, as well as a reggae version, a rap version, and a heavy metal version. Yeah, but, it was a bit awkward though, wasn't it? Yeah, it went nowhere. It, and- and the footage of the MSO and the choir behind the MSO was like something it seemed to go wrong or something like that. It was like that everybody was <laughs> looking around going, what is happening? It's hard to uh, remember that the anthem was so lukewarm to everyone. It was like nobody knew it. And it's like the two leaders of the country the opposition leader and the prime minister had no fucking idea how to say <laughs> the lyrics to a and it's hard to remember it, that. It, you know, it's quite a new anthem, though. Is is the thing? I think I think it was only introduced in the early eighties or something. So so growing up, you know, in in the eighties and nineties, I of course learned it at school. But generations older than us, they had no idea what the words were because they they'd grown up with "God Save the Queen" or something. So. Yeah, I, I don't remember as, as um, grade two, we had to sing both of them at assembly 
which is like the m- world's most torturous exercise <laughs> to go through. A God, 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 God save, save the God queen. Save the yeah, yeah. God save the queen is one of the most boring national anthems <laughs> in the entire world. Yeah, any any time Britain ever wins a, a medal at the Olympics, you hear this. God save the queen. <laughs> and you just think. Yeah, <laughs> A celebration! You've won a gold medal, and you have to listen to this dude. <laughs> now, the overseas and the British PM John Major isn't worried about his unpopularity with footage of him leaving for work in an army tank. Pakistan opposition Benazir Bhutto is in exile after making comments about the Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif's uh, turban, and. Tommy G crosses over to Buto to talk about her ordeal. Now she's been approached by windscreen wipers, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. and uh, she's also been threatened with jail because she's autographed a five dollar note. While uh, she's also been banned in from Islamabad for thirty days, she's been staying with a friend. Imran doesn't seem to mind. Oh, that's <laughs> no, I don't mind at all. As long as she likes, it's not as if I'm going to make love to her like a tiger. Don't encourage them. I think they were encouraged. <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is more evidence that, that the Late Show is starting to develop this this sort of audience who's tuning in every week. And so they, they know what this this reference is this callback from several episodes ago. Yeah. So you, you can see them understanding that they've got an audience right now. Yeah. No more Warnicky required because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Were they an actual couple in real life? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, 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 I, I know, no, I know Rob, Rob, Rob and Jane Rob were. And Jane. Oh, no, 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 not, yeah. not Benazir Bhutto and Imran Khan. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't did <laughs> think Benazir Bhutto and Imran Khan were a couple. I, I knew Rob and Jane were. <laughs> Sydney, protesters occupied a forestry commission office. They jammed lifts, barring doors and playing red gun songs. Uh, uh, a lot of dreadlocks in that footage too. Yeah, yeah they were scruffy looking guys. Yeah, they had the dreadlocks that they wrapped around their head that it was like hard to distinguish their shape it was odd (laughs) (laughs) Perth Alan Bond acquitted for dishonesty charges he uh, was asked about his time in prison and he says he's stressful Uh, then he was also asked about married to his wife Eileen and the same grab plays again. It was very, very stressful. I love that the audience go, that's sexist, get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Now this one, showbiz Prince, the artist formerly known as Prince or was about to be formerly known as Prince, uh, had snuck into the country and he was heavily disguised. They show footage of the Prime Minister Paul Keating meeting up with him, but the other person was, I have no idea who it was. I think this guy is the Prime Minister of the of Papua New Guinea at that time, I think. Yeah, that's what I put if down I'm too. As, as well as I, I love Tom pointing out that's the PM on the left, I believe. And now to Royal News and the video showing the rise and fall of the Royal Family. This is basically early days of the Crown, really. Yeah, it's a very piss-weak version of, of the Crown. Mostly there's a lot of those around. If you, I think America makes them quite a lot of this, these yeah. Royal Family movies and you're just going, who are these people and what are they dramatising? This is nuts. <laughs> yeah, as, as, as Tom so perfectly states, Producers have spared no effort in casting the least authentic-looking actors. Especially uh, when Tommy was referring to uh, Prince Edward, that lookalike should have been Julian Clary. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Not that would be for that guy, just because he treaded the boards one time. (laughs) They also refer to that phone call with uh, Diana and they intersplice in Mick being on the phone to Diana, which is pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Who loves you, baby? He does. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not forget Jerry Connolly as the queen. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that was that was... That was perfect, I've got to say. All right, and now it's time for a commercial, and that is Death's Doorstep Retirement Village. This one's bad, isn't it? And I remember laughing at this back in the 90s, and now I look at it and go, holy shit, this is just elder abuse turned into a yeah. To see Superman, sorry, Nono Chilaro again. I wonder how the hell those Santa would have sold this to his to his grandfather. Like going, we, we, we're going to put you in a... A Zimmer frame? In, <laughs> no, well, we, 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 we're going to have you chasing after a Zimmer frame. If you can just look as frail and as daughtery as you can. Are you fine yeah. to go with that Nono? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose if the money's right, you know, how how good was Nono's agent, you know? <laughs> I actually like this sketch. I, I know it's dark and, and distasteful and everything, but and particularly in the light of various scandals around elderly people's homes, but, but there's a bit where, you know, you're introduced to the nurses and, and it's basically Mick looking very sinister with a holding, sort of batting a baseball bat into his hand and, and you just you just know where this is going. And the whole thing's about, you know, ripping off families and, and just sort of basically killing off their relatives for them via this, this dreadful home and forcing them to run after the Zimmer frame and treating them badly and all this. So I don't remember at the time there were there were scandals about retirement homes, but there certainly are now. So, so in that light, it seems very distasteful. It was very new. I remember sort of the early 90s and so on, this whole idea of, old people's homes being a sinister place and, you know, pensioners eating dog food because they had no money was kind of, was new and funny in a way. It wasn't sort of an established thing the way it is now where we're, you know, Mm. after 37 scandals in old folks' homes, we're all like, oh, that's not funny or it's awful. But back then it was like, ha-ha, old people, ha-ha, you're going to get old, suffer. was just kind of like no it was it was seen as funny it just wasn't sort of this looming threat that hangs over all of us now but the way jason does throw that wheelchair down the stairs is pretty pretty well done isn't it it's like it's it's an acting tour de force (laughs) all right now we're back to the stage with jason santo and jace is very angry because ray martin stole his uh show idea the good blokes and superstars and the only equivalent one that I could find, which was uh, Ray Martin's Laugh and Larrikins. Tonight, Laughs and Larrikins. I mean, an hour and a half of live variety television every day. The ghosts of comedy are everywhere. Tonight, we've got an hour <laughs> chock-a-block full of stand-ups, sit-downs, fall about mayhem and mistakes. Those magic moments that make live Seat of the Pants TV. We've got some funny yarns, too, from the best storytellers in the business. So, brace yourselves. Yeah, yeah, forever. Ghosts of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. This aired on the um, Wednesday night prior, and, yeah, there was two hours of it. So um, uh, like, <laughs> according to the TV listing, um, there were bits from interviews from uh, with uh, Sylvester Stallone, Tom Cruise, Patrick Swayze, Mel Gibson, Michael Crawford, Rob Lowe, Tom Jones, John Farnham, Anthony Warlow, and... Uh, Imran Khan. <laughs> <laughs> so Jace introduces his version, but he couldn't get all the stars, so he went with dickheads and has-beens. 
That is such a great bit, isn't it? Yes. I was really surprised at how harsh this was because, I mean, you quite frankly, you've got these people in here saying, you're a dickhead and a has-been. <laughs> <laughs> it's still like, funny. It's funny, but it was like, well, you're not making yeah. any friends with this. <laughs> the fact that they bagged out David Boone. Yeah, that was like... Yeah. And and, and 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 Stuart Halen and both of those people will feature um, in uh, in the next season of the Late mm. Show. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah hopefully, hopefully they were not shown this uh, sketch, or else they probably wouldn't have said yes to the Late Show. Yeah, they certainly moonwalked back upon their cruelty, didn't they? Embrace this cohort of. Uh... <laughs> Ex TV stars. Just mentioning uh, who was on Dickheads and has been. So, yeah, uh, Ray had Michael Crawford, but uh, Jason's got Sid Halen. Uh, instead of Imran Khan, Jason's got David Byrne. Instead of Mel Gibson, Jason's got Mike Gibson, as well as baby John Burgess, Jonathan Coleman, and uh, as they put it in the promo, that grey haired bloke from a country practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The funny thing about it is actually they're all quite lovable, aren't they? Like <laughs> they're all good eggs. <laughs> yep. Couch time and Tony discusses the new warning messages on cigarette packets. Wow. This has gone back a while ago. And you have the tobacco industry spokesperson, Michael Tumor which is Rob, and who has alternate messages to use instead. I want to say Rob and Tony alert. I, I like a Rob and Tony sketch. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, especially when Rob is in what looks like a restyled Bill Clinton wig. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they, they start off with uh, uh, some fairly innocuous uh, ones that aren't really going to put you off smoking, you know, like smoking is naughty. Perhaps smoking isn't such a good idea. And uh, smoking produces smoke. <laughs> and then it sort of it gets weirder and uh, meaner, really. Smoking. A few small-minded busybodies say it's dangerous, but we reckon they're full of shit. <laughs> and then smoking can help you pick up chicks, improve your chances of promotion, and significantly increase the size of your genitals. <laughs> and then uh, finishing off with the ultimate kicker, smoking prolongs life indefinitely. I like so, that yeah. Rob says... Apart from the medical evidence, there is absolutely no evidence to back that up. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to back up that smoking produces lung cancer. But, yeah, this, like, this is such a, a novel thing, uh, the warnings being put on cigarette packets, especially when you consider how much it's progressed to today, where, like, the only things that are pretty much allowed on cigarette packets nowadays are these very off-putting images of, you know, tumid lungs and diseased eyes and... Drab olive grey and everything's got to be in in, in an ugly font. Decaying like, feet. I always love the decaying feet one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, this this is a, a pretty quick sort of a, a two hander between uh, Rob and Tony. It, it almost seems like this might have been borrowed. Let's say perhaps like it sounds like something that they might have done on their radio show. Like especially that that last uh, couple of lines. Uh, with uh, Tony offering Rob a cigarette and uh, him replying, no, no, those things will kill you. <laughs> Guess what it's time for? Not chances. <laughs> the Olden Days, episode 18, Madam Frontbottom, fortune teller. So this is... Pretty- and no sing-along. No, no sing-along. The man in the sing-along, thank goodness. Yeah, what a shame. I do believe that the previous episode audience did kill it off. Yeah. 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 I I, I agree. So from bottom attempts to be a Madame Clairvoyant. Now, the guy who's talking, this is in Rush. I don't know the guy's name, the actor. The one with the 
beard, right? Telling from bottom that he can't be a fortune teller. Doesn't he look like a bit like John Cusack? Yes, yes, I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I, I'd go and try and explain that to someone and they have no idea. Um, no, no, I think I changed my definitely friends. a resemblance. Thank John you. Cusack's dad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> go back and watch it and you'll see what we mean. Front Bottom attempts to be Madame Clairvoyant using a blanket and playing cards and fails, so he has a crack at Honky Tonk. Oh, Susanna, don't cry for me. I come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. <laughs> so, but yeah, app- apparently the mud diggers don't go for Honky Tonk. No. <laughs> So they mess up his hair and destroy the joint. And that... I like the guy who throws a punch and says, this is for wearing, making me wear a Bill Kelty wig for the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so when Front Bottom gets rescued by Alden uh, because he's uh, tied up to the chair. Now, this is very clever on because of the way the footage is shown, you know, who yeah. Alden confesses his... Quote, love, unquote. Right, 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 yeah, right at the point where, um, yeah, Alden has his head near the crotch of uh, Frontbottom. <laughs> 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 so, uh, and so Frontbottom eventually seeks revenge on the mud digger who messed up his hair. And after ordering a shonky stunt, falling off a horse, and the mud digger calls him old Mr. Taipants, Frontbottom shoots him. <laughs> I love there's, there's some really good lip syncing moments in this bit where he's trying to, um, I don't know, he's trying to uh, see the future or something. He's got he's basically got a rug over his shoulders because he's obviously ill or something and he's playing cards. But then he goes, uh, I foresee a Toyota Land Cruiser or something with a roof rack. <laughs> and if you look at his lips, it actually looks like he's saying a Toyota Land Cruiser with a roof rack, which is just the weirdest thing. It's like, how did they pick that that was going to look like that when it came out of his mouth. And what a weird thing to say. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I quite I quite like the, the line um, yeah, early on in, in the episode where um, uh, Front Bottom says to Alden, uh, what have you ever predicted? And uh, he replies, I predicted you'd be shit ass at this. Mm. <laughs> That's my favourite. Said, said with such, such conviction by Mick. <laughs> and I love the lines that Santo has at the end where he goes, where he's trying not to be shot, and he goes, I quite like honky-tonk music. I really liked your version of Chirpy Chirpy Cheek Cheek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it all ends on uh, uh, Tony's uh, very, he, he says it very forcefully, but, yeah, very actively, that nobody calls him old Mr. Tight Pants and gets away with it. Yeah, and that's another moment where I really want to see Rush. Like, it's got these really dramatic bits in it. And I, yeah, I think it'll be a great DVD release. Guess what it's time for? The view's magnificent. You'll bar up. It's Countdown <laughs> Classics. <laughs> yeah, this this has been long overdue. It's, it's been quite a few episodes since the, the last outing of Countdown. This time uh, they've gone to the mailbag and with people allegedly writing in and they want uh, certain requests from Countdown episodes such as the Ramones hosting Countdown uh, with Joey showing such enthusiasm. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Countdown. On tonight's show, Paul McCartney, Olivia Newton-John, and that famous English act, Def Leppard. But right now, the Countdown... <laughs> I, I feel like that's unduly harsh. I, I reckon Joey and Ramon did a great job. <laughs> Just it's... lost it at the end there, but yeah. it was... 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I feel getting Joey Ramone to talk up Paul McCartney is a pretty big ask for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just go, what are these acts? Fuck this. Olivia Newton-John <laughs> yeah. John was the one that really got me. <laughs> After Ramones, we've got an incapacitated James Rain and Australian Crawl performing. It's their fir- it was their first performance on Countdown, actually. And uh, James' arms are in plaster because he oh, had broken what his wrists. A funny reveal that is. Yeah, like the way they just the way they intro it with. Do you have that bit where James Ray is incapacitated and you're thinking, what is he going to be drunk or something? And then there's mm. this pullback with the camera, and the two of his arms are in plaster. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> funniest thing. Did you see the fact that he nearly tried to clap and then he had to stop himself? <laughs> <laughs> or grab the microphone. Like, it's just the most insane thing. Yeah. He must have just thought, stuff it. Yeah, his, his arms are kind of waving around like this, but they're both mm. in, in casts. <laughs> and I, I don't know what you're meant to do if you've broken both your wrists, if they're both, I mean, presumably not strapped to your body. Like a that pharaoh would crossed across the chest. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be really difficult. So they're just flapping around and thinking, is that, is that a really good thing for you to be doing? right now <laughs> it looks so badass though oh it does, yeah. it does look badass another request was molly and richard clapton having a fallout now <laughs> this was uh, interesting and you can see that obviously molly doesn't take shit so yeah mm-hmm. because richard was meant to make an appearance on countdown he was late and so they cancelled him and they, he slagged off the show in the press and so he was then apparently forced to come back on the show the next week and apologise, and Molly calls him out. I like how there's a, the bickering about how late he was. Yeah. And 20 minutes yeah. late. No, it was 40 minutes, actually. 20 minutes. Oh, 40 minutes. Yeah, it was 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love Tommy G's reaction to R- Richard Clapton. Like, doesn't he... Doesn't he act like he's going to throw up or something? <laughs> yeah. Gives, it, gives a little... Ugh. <laughs> and there's also one more which has uh bob welch uh, hosting the show around 1979 and he's performing ebony eyes in a very odd place <laughs> yeah the lighting catwalk which is, is up which is which is up high in the studio so tom and jane actually say that the person who was in the actual clip when bob welch was actually performing on the lighting catwalk was still there because the woman with the long hair was still dangling down on the side and so they cut to the camera and yeah, really bad wig or a mop, I guess that was represented. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, you're like this. Did you notice that um, Tom or Jane said it was fairly arrow? Yes, they <laughs> 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 <I> found her. <laughs> but I, I will mention though that straight after the countdown classics, Tony does say eight cents worth of entertainment as promised. <laughs> <laughs> Street interviews ever, and that is uh, talking about who knows the lyrics to the national anthem after all the kerfuffle through all our uh, government officials. Who actually knows the lyrics? So they hit the streets to find out. And the but joke, of course, is there's so many young people who do know it, but are just too embarrassed to see it. <laughs> yeah, they were down in St Kilda, weren't they, for that? Yeah, Acklin Street. The bricks and mortar of Acklin Street were much more shinier than they are today. <laughs> Uh, I will say that uh, because there was actually a few grabs that I wanted from this segment, I put a little unintentional test, I guess, on Facebook on the Late Show page uh, a few days ago just to see what's your favourite quote from the thing. And I've got 
a summary <laughs> of the two most uh, quote popular unquote bits from the national anthem. Show your national anthem. Australian National Anthem. I do know, but I'm not going to embarrass myself by singing it. Well, you don't have to sing it. We'll just ask you to recount the lyrics. Australians all let us rejoice because we wear tight Lee jeans. <laughs> what if you had a choice, if you could replace the National Anthem with any particular song, what do you reckon you'd replace it with? Um, I, think, I think we'd have to sing a song about a new flag. You know, one with like a... It's just like a bum with a fist coming out of it. <laughs> Sorry, you say a, a, a bum with a, with a fist coming out of it. You're a thinker, aren't you? <laughs> so those were the most, uh, two most popular ones that were quoted. Yeah, I, I think I agree with those selections. Uh, I think it, it was really funny that timing where he just says, "You're a thinker, aren't you?" That just makes the whole the whole bit. And, as, as, yeah. as well as well as Tony and Mick just doing that. Can you can you believe this shit looked yeah. at camera? Yeah. Oh yeah, right. T- Tony Tony especially after the bum with the fist look, he just does the look <laughs> the camera and just cracks me up. That but I, I'm surprised that no one went for the the, the sort of ongoing saga and this, this is in several parts of the the hundred fifty years. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's a sort of a part one with just him and there's a part two where he kind of intervenes with a younger member of the public and, and sort of has a go at him so yeah he's the no, no, soul song guy. and he's the what one that the went something about, about something about goat soil and tall was the other guy and then the, and then the old guy was like <laughs> intervening oh yes those 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 two uh young teen girls, queens yeah yes and then, and then one of them admitting they can't sing, and uh, yeah, Tony uh, very quickly goes, "It is the Teen Queens." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happened to the Teen Queens? I have them in my uh, Smash Hits January 1993 issue oh. right here. <laughs> the Teen Queens. Oh, Jason Priestley well, is on the front. Yeah, there's three of um, them. Yeah. There's three, actually three Teen Queens, and this was um, you actually get this thing called Tape Stars, where you could actually fold it up and put it into your cassette holder um, <laughs> I remember those. So, yeah teeny biographies and um one of them was actually probably 20 at the time so not a teen um the others were about age, oh, 18 and 19 oh, yes it is <laughs> did you know there are, there are 10 things you might not know about the teen queens um number one being be my baby their first single reached number five on the charts and won the gals a gold record for their efforts Number two, Kelly pay, plays the drums. Number three, Liza spent years as a lass learning the cello, the flute, and the sax. Four, Kelly's grandmother was a famous Scottish actress. Five, over the years, Liza has starred in shows like GP, Home and Away, and the sex documentary. Um, yeah, there you go. I will not read the others because <laughs> they're <laughs> equally as dull. <laughs> But yeah, to, to, to get back to the Vox Pops, um, yeah, there, there's quite a lot of uh, diverse fashions on the the great uh, members oh, of the, yes. the public. Oh yeah, so yeah, uh, so, so yeah, like the the Della oh, Soul, yeah. the, the really bright neon Della Soul t-shirt. I was going to say the Weed Bok one. The, the Weed Bok t-shirt. That's the one I like. Yeah, I don't know if it was on Twitter or Facebook, but someone did mention that uh, they. They were the person in the De La Soul t-shirt. Oh, uh, cool. Like a couple of years ago. I should have dug. Get him on. We yeah. need to get him on. And now we have Shit Scared and Rob, Mick and Tommy G are in the studio. And Rob and Mick are mourning Chuck Connors, the host of Thrill Seekers. Chuck Connors, the father of, well, the doyen of Stump Masters. Oh, doyen. 
And uh Doyen. <laughs> Doyen. Chuck, don't, don't say words you can't spell, Nick. <laughs> say Chuck Collins. You're saying Chuck Collins. I love the way Tommy tries to get Rob back on track and he sort of grabs him and yeah. sort of slightly steers him towards <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> They are there to uh, have a chat in regards to um, the passing of Chuck Connors and his pallbearers were set on fire and his coffin was thrown into a pile of cardboard boxes. So that's a, a quality sketch. He wasn't buried. His coffin was thrown off into some cardboard boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. That's a day, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Doyen was where I, I learned a couple of episodes back how Delilah considers herself the Doyen of the fashion Doyen. industry. Doyen. <laughs> <laughs> so then actually Mick is probably correct because he says Doyen and there's a feminine ver- version of Doyen. So I think uh, Rob yes. said Doyen and so Mick says Doyen. So actually Mick is correct there. Did we all notice as well that Mark Gibson, the producer of The Late Show, is one of the pallbearers yes. in this sketch? Mm. Yeah. And, and privileged privilege enough to, to have his arm set on fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Spendable. <laughs> <laughs> now, due to the funeral, there was no time for a stunt, so they showed a clip of young Rob and young Mick from 1968. Good old 68. And uh, doing their first stunt, and that was Rob rolling down a tube, or in a tube, down the driveway, and to hit the mattress. And if you miss the mattress, you'll fall into a kiddie pool. Notice how they sort of sabotage this bit five minutes later when the same kid who is appearing as young Rob in this footage is also in the uh, Andrew Fife uh, sketch. So yes, like, yes, uh, yes. He, he's he's appeared quite a few times in in the late show that I, I feel like he, he could be a a ninth member. There's a few ninth members of, of the, the late show, really. You know, like Alfie and uh, Aaron uh, Bocare, but but certainly Duran Dur- O'Brien uh, ha- has appeared a few other times uh, in the late show, and yeah, he gets to appear twice uh, this episode as uh, yeah, in this sketch as, as young Rob. Unfortunately, I don't know who's playing young Mick. They're, they're, they're copying all the blows from young Rob. Young Rob did cop a blow and he missed the mattress and got hit by a car. The car, I believe, is, is Mick Malloy's Blue Holden special, which has been in the program a few times now. <laughs> the next segment is Commercial Crime Stoppers and Exchange Television from Tasmania, which is the guy who's a bit loony with the with the remote. <laughs> yeah. Do you like the way we get Santo to show us that again? Take yeah. the piss out of you. <laughs> so that was the first, first Tasmanian ad as well. Yes. Yes. Welcome Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I, I did. I, I did quite like in the ad the the sexy shot of the the exchange television spokesperson reclining on a tower of uh, chunky VCRs. <laughs> really trying to sell it. Would you buy an expensive piece of electrical goods from that dickhead? <laughs> well, would really you... laying into it. Next uh, commercial was Car City Victoria. Now, uh, oh, any of these our Victorians here know this car dealership? Yeah, no, this was a very um, well-known ad, actually. It's almost too good to be on um, Commercial Crime Stoppers because it was, uh, yeah, in prime time. 
Yeah, no, this was for years. Was Car City the place that was just a whole pile of junked cars and you stripped parts off? No, that was pick apart, pick apart, pick apart. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> That's no, the no, no, no. This, this is the, the place uh, that spans 10 acres and has 23 dealers, over 1,000 cars, and one absolute numbnut. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, about 20 years later, I did buy a lemon of a car there. <laughs> oh, no. Was it because you'd seen this? <laughs> no, I, I, sadly, I hadn't revised my late show watching experience. <laughs> Otherwise, the appropriate warning. <laughs> were, you, were you hypnotized by the loony eyes? I was. Oh, so <laughs> I hadn't worn off. Did, were you sold the this lemon of a car by the numbnut? <laughs> no, no, a very smooth talker. Well, mm. Speaking of the eyes, Tony can do it. That's why they had him on the desk. The loony eyes. Did you like yeah. that, proof? Absolutely. Mercy <laughs> rising. The only visually impaired member of the Lake Show. <laughs> he's, he's not the only visually pedantry here. He's not, he's really. not the only visually impaired member of the Lake because Tommy G wears glasses as well. I know. That was really racist of them. Yeah, that's exactly what my partner said. He actually said that's racist. <laughs> Did he? Yes. <laughs> the next commercial they did was the Gourmet Revolution, and this one was just very yeah. creepy, unintentionally <laughs> creepy, but uh, with the famous wacky waiters. Don't these guys look like they're going to rob you, rape all the women? <laughs> like, they look really scary. Pretty much. There's one that's serving food while riding a unicycle, and mm. another one with very garish kind of face paint that I would not take any food from. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one that goes like? Yeah. yeah, sort of, sort of, sort of pops up into frame. Really <laughs> yeah. The thing that scared me was the idea that you'd have to talk to them because they they show them conversing. It's like I don't want creepy waiters talking to me. Serve the food and go away. <laughs> yeah, don't pay me some Ritz with cream cheese and and give me a joke. Like rack off. <laughs> I just assumed I'd be telling you about their grim acting career and how they've washed up. <laughs> Waiters after you know, a string of failures. <laughs> like, See, this this is about the ad is that this quite sort of classy van rocks up with the gourmet <laughs> catering. Like you think I got caterers of distinction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's disturbing, but then they did have someone who actually looks like that crazy yeah. wacky clown, and that was Jace. Yeah, yeah it was uncanny. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, he pops up behind on the desk and then Santo decides to go WWE on him. That was some amazing wrestling moves from Santo, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I want to see what happened behind the scenes. I want to see the trampette or whatever it was that he was <laughs> <laughs> crashing onto. Now we switch to the stage and Tommy G is dressed up as a and performs as a, a bad singer, really, and with all the hallmarks of technical difficulties during this performance. And a very gaudy gold sparkly jacket and a bad wig. I love seeing Tommy G in a bad wig, but this is pretty weird segment, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty much all I wrote down. Just question mark, question mark, weird. Yeah. It's one of these sort of comedy tropes where it's sort of like, this is the way the song goes and these are all the bad things that are happening during the, the performance. I'm just going to sing sing about them out loud. Yeah. It's not the first time they've done this, though, because previously mm. they did the one where Jane was pretending to be the dumb slut singer. 
that's then, right. And there was the, the the backing singers one as well, which was like, and they're sort of they're all about the same quality, really. Yeah, yeah and then Rob, which is sort of not 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 quite as good. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm watching the Late Show. There's sort of there's sketches and segments that I think of as being specifically Late Show, you know, like commercial Crime Stoppers or that. But there's always a couple of sketches that are not generic sketches, but you feel could be on a different show and someone else could be doing them. And and this one really yeah. felt like, you know, you could see it on you know, full frontal or something, trying it and getting away with mm. it. Mm, mm. So Tom's things about, you know, turning to the wrong camera and that the backing tape sounds like it's, you know, like it's going wonky and feedback happens and... Uh, you know, he mimes terribly to the song, and uh, the 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 only, the only line I really like out of it is, "I've heard better songs on regional telethons." <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it it just it ends with him, uh, you know, missing his step and basically falling into the dry ice, which is also smothering the crowd. And you know, like you know, that's that's two minutes of TV time over and done with, really. Yeah, highlighting the cliches. Much dry ice sacrifice for that sketch. <laughs> <laughs> now we have the next sketch, and that's where this teaser comes in. Guess what? And that was a theme from mm. Guess What? The Andrew Five Kids uh, Entertainment Show, which was just him drawing on a whiteboard. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind if I get all the sexual objects? objectification out of the way right now. Sure. I just want to say that this is my Tony Martin awakening, which is <laughs> quite late in the day. But um, I did find out at school um, on the Monday after this episode that quite a few uh, smarter girls than me were already deeply in love with him. And I was like, oh, great. We've got something in common. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think this is like uh, whenever he takes his glasses off and puts on that particular wig, very attractive. <laughs> I think you can see also when he's Hugh Grant later in the Big Boy show. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. That's the cowlick. That's what it Lovely. is. <laughs> so, but yeah, this was uh, God Knows What, which is taking the piss out of Guess What, which was on Channel 9 with Andrew Fife. Hey, hey, it's Saturday's yep. cartoonist. And yep. Tony as Andrew and Jane as Alison Bray, uh, Cameron Daddo's wife. Well, uh, There's also a Dolly Dolly model. Mm. Oh yes, quite <laughs> prevalent in yes, Dolly magazine. She, very, very much at the time. Yes, mm. and I, I can tell you that the boy that was in it, the one that wasn't the one that you were talking about earlier, uh, who was playing Rob, uh, that his name was Christopher Lyons, and I know this because he was on the Bob Morrison show a couple of years later. It's quite funny this sketch because I kind of remember guess what being quite popular I, I thought kids actually really liked it and like liked Andrew Fife and stuff like that yeah that's what I remember I remember a lot of kids who liked drawing really liked that show and there wasn't a lot like that there was a lot of words and, and numbers kind of kids shows and of course Double Dare which was you know legendary mm, I love that show. <laughs> yeah. but um, this was sort of for arty kids and it was sort of quite loved Andrew Fife was like the Channel 9 resident cartoonist for a while there because he was on Hey Hey and he was on the footy show for a while as well yeah. doing stuff yeah, yeah. 
which, which mm-hmm. seems an odd job for a cartoonist to be hanging around a television station showing up drawing things, but he, he seemed to have a good gig there. Well, I did also <laughs> try to reach out to him in regards to this podcast to get his thoughts and opinions on it, but my emails went unanswered. <laughs> well, you I should have drawn a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I don't really have the same sort of love for this show as some of you do. Because, like, I did have a look at some of it. There is a little bit of it on YouTube, and it just sort of seems to be this sort of, yeah, cringy Adelaide... You've got an inferiority complex about yourself. Like how cringy and Adelaide go together. Yeah, but the the thing is, being from Adelaide, you you know you you know you're from somewhere that's a bit crap, and and you just (laughs) I I just lean into that. You know, well, it's not well, like it's, we're it's, in, it's, in Melbourne going. Oh yeah, we've got the good TV over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's it's Brisbane that that has the the good oh. kids TV. In, in in my opinion, yeah, they they had amazing for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. amazing! But yeah, but yeah, the kids like, always look like they were having so much fun. I looked at, at some of the the clips on YouTube, and they they uh, Alison and, and Andrew don't seem to have a good chemistry going on, which they they seem to to skew perfectly in, in the Late Show parody. No, that's opinion. true. That's all I remember about that show is that it didn't <clears throat> seem like Andrew Pfeiffer and the host had any connection at all. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what age I was watching it, but I remember thinking it's like, yeah, he's he's not going to get anywhere with her. She's not interested. <laughs> I, I think Alison Bray's problem was that she was a good model and she was really popular in Dolly and she and she looked nice, but she just wasn't a very good TV presenter. She didn't really sort of have that ability to connect with the audience or other people on the show. And and this is this kind of comes across in Jane's performance actually where she really captures that sort of stilted delivery that, that she had. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like the line where she goes, oh, I'm Alison something. I'm, 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 I'm I, it was I'm Alison thingy. Yeah. <laughs> the other good thing I want to say about this sketch is when Tony goes, I'm dancing the sailor's Sailor's hornpipe. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're a dickhead. <laughs> well, now Tony introduces the toilet break with the Natural 7 performing Sleigh Ride. But before they go into it, there's a bit of a mathematical education from Suzanne Steele. Have you ever wondered how many things come in sevens? There's the seven seas, the seven-year itch, the seven deadly sins, the seven wonders of the world. And now you can even get a seven-seater sleigh, which is just as well because the Natural 7 are ready to leave on a musical sleigh ride. <laughs> there was no funny bits in the sleigh ride performance, so I just had to go with that. No, no. but no. it is one of the best toilet oh, breaks, oh, that you reckon? You didn't find the, the giddy-up dancing that they were doing almost like... <laughs> yeah. uh, Daniel's yeah. doing the motions. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, it's almost, a, it's a or, bit um, Gangnam yeah. style. It's a bit like a tiger, just about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It should have been entered into Eurovision. It's amazing. <laughs> It, it is certainly on that Eurovision level, but I think we've had a we've had one of these Natural Seven songs on that same set in a previous episode. So they must have done this whole episode with like a kind of snow lodge theme or something like that. Do you remember that it was a few episodes ago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was. Uh, I've got my love to keep me warm from memory. They do their dance and and go outside and uh, get in the seven seater sleigh and then go on a chroma key sleigh ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. 
I've got nothing bad to say about it. It's fun. And there's so much colour and movement. I think that's what we love about the Natural 7. After the toilet break, Rob, who's actually on stage again... Just realised how much I look like Bobby Brown there for a while. (laughs) It's probably a a good point to mention how many daggy um, black blazers there are in this episode. Like, you know, um, Tony and Mick come out in these huge shoulder pad black blazers at the start, which I failed to mention at the time. And then now Rob's come out in this sort of double-breasted gold buttons black blazer. Yeah, with a white skivvy. Yeah, he's yep. still got the skivvy on from shit's mm. beard. <laughs> and, and, and the late show cap as well. Yeah, yes. That's skivvy. And, yeah, he does point out that he looks like Bobby Brown, you know, the every little step I take. Mm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> How's that song going, man? <laughs> yeah. Every little step I take. And there's ain't nobody humping around. That's a bit later on. <laughs> Do not edit that out. That's amazing. All right, I'll keep that in. <laughs> Wait for the best bits of this podcast. Sorry, uh, was it Box Box or whatever his name is? Box Box 3030? This is... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rob has to set up the portrayals of the historic explorers in movies and how they don't really, you know, sound like... Yes, my lady, I've discovered new lands. <laughs> yes, did, did you like that? <laughs> was that sexy, Prue? It was very sexy. One more time. <laughs> yes, my lady, I've discovered yeah. new lands. <laughs> he was really getting into it and the audience are just like going, what? What are you going on about? <laughs> yeah, just get on with it. Yes, my lady, I've discovered new lands. <laughs> and Rob cool. claims that they... Will be more bitchin or more ocker. Sorry, I've said bitchin. Or just more, just more slang, I guess. Really, and so uh, Rob sets up the whole sketch of Marco Polo and all, all the explorers. Really. Anyway, so I'm up on the, uh, I'm up on the behind the yeah. wheel, and yeah. I'm going, and we're 45 days at sea. Only men on board, right? 45 days. Well, you'd all have scurvy. You've got scurvy, but I turn around <laughs> to the guy and I go, 45 days at sea, just men on board. I go to the bosun. Hey, I can see why they call it Cape Horn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about the only funny joke in this whole sketch. I quite like the uh, the uh, line from uh, Santo uh, turning around the, uh, the the steering wheel, uh, saying, "Who am I? I'm Don Wayne." Yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll understand it one day. <laughs> yeah, this reminds me so much of that Chopin uh, yes. sketch from from yeah. last episode, and yeah. it, it, it even has that prestige post toilet break slot that it had last episode as well. Which, uh, well, I'd say I'd say that probably explains uh, the, the the quality of it if they put it after the toilet break. Yeah. It's quite funny that this one and the Chopin one are so forgettable. It's like yeah. you, know, you never remembered that they've done it. But it's almost like it, it's um, they've been building up. They do the Chopin, they do this one, and then I think, I can't remember if it's this season or next season, but, of course, they do the amazing Streslecki thing. And then they finally mm. just nail it, and it's perfect in every way. But so far this is like, let's just spend a day dressing up in elaborate costumes and <laughs> dressing a set to look like the, you know, 1600. Well, they always like the elaborate costumes. They always sort of, I don't know, they, they felt like, it felt like they thought there were more laughs in dressing ups than there actually were. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think it sounds to me that they were having fun and it's just that type of humour that they... I appreciated it because it's the stuff you learn at school about scurvy and people who thought <laughs> the earth was flat and Marco Polo, you are a crack up. And, and and my friends and I at the time, we were pointing out how Jason is always at front of all these jokes and we actually had a list of things because we, we were sad like that. We had a book where we could write down all our little quotes and things. Um, how many times does Jason get cut off or bashed on The Late Show? Um, Christopher Columbus, everyone hated him. Yothu Yindi, um, he gets cut off when he sings Xanadu. Um, in the Viking talk, he gets beheaded. Um, in there's a, I have here a karate thing. Sado hits him over the head. I'm not really sure what that is. Um, in the musical, in Tom's day, um, Tom tells him to rack off because he's the gas man, and he gets. Uh, and the old people sketch. Um, the old woman pushes him out of the way at the bushes. And um and in this episode, Crime Stoppers, Sando just bashed him up as the wacky waiter. <laughs> so and also in what's all that about, when he does the cure send up, they say he looked like he was dead. So <laughs> that's, the, that's the um extent that my friends and I at the time um went to when we were analyzing these episodes to actually see <laughs> recount how many times Jason Jason was um the brunt of the joke. That's impressive. Well, see, I, I, yeah. I think I, I think I think part of it is like uh, Jason actually says before dickheads and has-beens, I'm normally the nice, quiet member of the Late Show. That's right. So, and he's the, mm. the pushover guy. Yeah, he gets pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, also in in a tiny bit of foreshadowing, Santo as uh, Columbus says that you can take the boy out of Genoa, but you can't take Genoa yeah. out of the boy. Yeah. <laughs> now it's time for a very jam-packed Graham and the Colonel. If you follow us on. Twitter at TLS Champagne, as well as The Late Show on Facebook under facebook.com Champagne Comedy. You would have seen an image of a person from the audience wearing Graham and the Colonel fan club jumper shirt type thing. It was pulled out. Homemade. Homemade, yes. I'm trying to find the identity of that person. So if they're still around or you know that person, check out the picture um, or check out your own VHS copy of the tape and let us know. We just want to see if there's you know where they're where they're at really in life we'd love to chat with you yeah yeah obviously a super fan and and she goes up on the stage and santo gives gives her a kiss on the hand and she's so flustered and just oh my gosh santo kissed my hand <laughs> yeah and this is where they pop up the in and out trays in the on the desk yeah this is the first appearance so, mm, and there's the neither here nor there tray which is misspelled <laughs> i always was annoyed by that uh, <laughs> But it's a really obvious mistake. Well, I won't read out all the jokes because there are a few, but other than talking about West Indies, Kirtley Ambrose being a certain height as well, and Colonel makes reference to the Harlem Globetrotters. Graham, shout out to whoever Ray Kennedy is. I'm guessing... That's Jane's dad. Jane's Jane's dad. Okay, now I feel like a stupid idiot. So (laughs) he was in hospital at the time and he's a cleaner there. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, other than that, they're talking about cigarette advertising in sport, and they got all fired up about it. And bam, like you know, saying how people basically cancel culture. I get off the time, really, but it was more or less for a visual joke where their back wall turns into a Benson and Hedges sign, which is amazing that they did that. Yes, I really, yeah, I was really surprised that they could actually put the logo, especially just on the ABC at the time. Mm. I would have thought there'd be a. Mm. Eyebrows raised at that kind of promotion, but I'm sure Graham and the Colonel got a few packs of cigarettes out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's where the neither here nor there tray comes out because some of their jokes were just falling flat. 
or they were unsure, depending on the laughter. There was mention of the horse Naturalism, uh, who arrived in Japan for the Japan Cup. The colonel is asking, you know, how does the horse travel, really? And this is where all the in-line, in-flight horse jokes and stuff happen, talking about the in-flight meals and uh, how large certain people are. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, trying to uh, get the wrapping off of the, off of the food, which is hard to do when you've only got hooves. they also decide to relax and broaden their agenda a little bit more and notice that uh as the graham poured the the flask of coffee it was actual real coffee (laughs) yes and it was warm obviously (laughs) he burns his hand the colonel burns his hand oh dear very bad prop but this is where they do some quick uh, rapid fire type thing so colonel says a bad week for castles winds are burned down and the inflatable one flew away (laughs) (laughs) but you notice when watching this they were quite a few minutes early yes so i'd say this this this... were their backup jokes it would have been about maybe 12 to to 11 roughly yeah, and they've gone, all right, we've got to stretch it out a bit because they just yeah. threw everything at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and talking about getting in trouble, sodding the banknote as well. It's a, a good joke there, uh, yeah, observing that uh, whoever, you know, Bernie Fraser, the, uh, the the chairman of the Reserve Bank, is he's going to be in a hell of a lot of trouble because his name's on all the banknotes. It's the secret <laughs> of the future. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> Tim Fisher gets married and they admire the bride in the photo and the colonel goes look how happy the father is walking her down the aisle <laughs> that was actually Tim Fisher <sighs> yes yeah. Yes, there is a bit of an age difference between the the bride and the groom in that photo. The colonel is reading the uh, a book by David Suzuki, Metamorphosis. Well, he says it. It's not metamorphosis, is it? He says it in a different way. Metamorphosis. Yeah, we go. I was <laughs> his continental background. Yes, that's what really puts me off. I'm thinking, isn't it metamorphosis? Anyway, uh, he's we- he wears so many hats as an author, environmentalist political activist, speaker, and still manages to find time to play Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid films. Yes. And also the original Arnold in Happy Days. Because they all look alike. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. <laughs> People's Choice Awards are on and the category for the best ad, and they play the Foster's Beer ad of 1991-92, which is basically a theme around a party. And Graham gets to rewind it and says, hey, look, Look at who it is. It's a Gogomobile guy. Do you know, um, he always used to appear at Southland, like just the guy, the real guy. Tom, Tommy but, Dicer. Yeah, and we, us kids, were so mean to him. <laughs> what did you do? What, what, he would just be there doing his shopping or something and you'd, you'd like, heckle him. Yeah, oh, true. Like that sketch with the <laughs> heckling people at their workplace. Which oh. is something, G-O, G-G-O. <laughs> oh, yeah. And they released a single as well, didn't they, based on the Go-Go Mobile ad. Oh, it was some that? kind of... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I'm going to have to try oh, and try man. it down. Better find that. Put that in the prize pack. Done. <laughs> Before they do the Foster's ad with the Gogglemobile man, um, you know, Santo goes, oh, you mean the Godfrey's ad with the bowling ball? <laughs> and then Rob goes, no, you're being silly. <laughs> <laughs> Only thing to add is, is that the, the People's Choice Awards um, for that year was hosted by uh, Gary McDonald. As far as I can tell, it was it may have been in, in his guise as um, uh, Norman Gunston. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, was that so the I, Norman Gunston uh, revival era? Yes. Where he had the breakdown. 
Yeah. I've just Googled Tommy Dysart and Go-Go Mobile song, and yet yeah, was released in 1995. It's G-O-G-O. The Go-Go Mobile song, and and it's it just it's a single by the looks of things, and and it's listed on Discog. It's not the dart. No, it's not the dart. Make sure you know how to spell it when you look it up. All right, and we have the closing, and everyone is on the lounge on stage, and Jace claims that someone dropped off a whole bunch of TV-themed board games. <laughs> I like the way you worded that, Jace claims. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it is so obviously <laughs> one of their collections. Yeah. <laughs> so you have, uh, and Mick, well, they all present their board game. Mick uh, has Fonz from the Happy Days board game. And but man, then Mick claims that he had the potty one when he was growing up, which was a bit of a dud. <laughs> Tommy G had lost in space, and the object of the game is to reach your goal first and determine the sexuality of Doctor Smith. Uh, oh. yes. yeah. <laughs> Jane has the six million dollar man, and then Tony chimes up, claiming, you know, bags me, Oscar Goldman. And when you look up the image, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. a big nerd. And Jace had the bionic woman. And he says that, uh, and he explains it's based on cards. So he shows up uh, the first card, Adventure 17, UFO spotted, Jamie reveals hoax. And Adventure 20, train wreck, Jamie frees trapped passengers. And now... This is worth 100 points. Jamie gets together with a $6 million man and has bionic bomb. One of Jace's biggest laughs. <laughs> Tony was getting a kick out of it going, no, 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 no. Jace also reveals the Late Show board game, and you have to guess how many people are watching the Late Show around Australia at any given time, simply by rolling the dice. Four! Yeah! <laughs> have you done that with our podcast, Matt? Yeah. <laughs> the amount of people that are listening. Four! Yeah! Which is odd because there's seven of us. Yeah, that means a couple of. I've got you on mute. That's fine. (laughs) I'd have said who's not pulling their weight. Yeah, I'd have said that the dice in our game would just have a one on each side of it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, and then Tony also brings it out on the buses board game, which uh, is a firm favourite with a lot of get this fans as well. So that Mm. one is a very familiar one, and. Tony also gets Jace to do his Blakey impersonation. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Do you and, yeah, a, a great a great way to uh, end the show. When the credits roll, any special Easter eggs in the credits, Daniel? First of all, we've got the special guests. Uh, so Daryl Braithwaite, who is in the news desk. Nono Chilaro, uh, who we saw uh, twice already and uh, is coming up for a third appearance uh, this episode. Uh, Chris Lyons and Julian O'Brien were both in uh, God Knows What. And uh, Morris Kyoto, I think he was uh, young Mick. Uh, certainly, he's, he's the, the the odd one out uh, with the, the list of special guests there. Yeah, Michael Hirsch, uh, as always, comes in with the credits under the name Funny Business. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the mm. audience tickets where Tommy G is basically reading out the whole thing because they do have Nono Chilaro on stage or Soups. I love the way Santo feeds in the line. That's very, very cute, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tommy goes, hey, say goodnight, Australia. Buonanotte, Australia. Right. 
Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely nice. adorable. Hey, in the credits, um, there's footage of Rob with a jetpack on, and I don't know where that's from. Does no. anyone it might, have yes. been, might have been a sketch that didn't make it to air because I noticed that the two clips that they showed, Rob is having a chat to future Full Frontal star Ross Williams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I wonder, it would be good to get, um, obviously it would be great if the entire two series of The Late Show was released in its entirety on DVD, but also there was an extras DVD where there was, Unreleased material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, if they can, if they can release. <laughs> yeah, then they can release the late show. But then again, some of the things that we have come across in this podcast is very questionable. <laughs> so, yeah. Can I share a little um, late show tidbit that I found in the news this week? Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty minor, but basically. Tom Gleisner went to the opera and there's a production of Aida going on in Melbourne at the moment and it got the most scathing review in the age and it is well worth reading just because it's hilarious. So basically they had some technical gaffes at the opera and the surtitles, which is where you'll get the translation of the language in the opera above so that you can actually understand what the hell's going on. They failed completely, but they got stuck on um, whatever have you done, oh, you poor man. (laughs) (laughs) And the the reviewer has said, "Uh, is this a genuine passage from the opera or a passing judgment on the tech crew? (laughs) (laughs) Then they said, it remains stuck at the top of the screen, accompanied by a little frozen mouse pointer. (laughs) Windows crushed again. We'd love to hear what uh, Tom Gleiser thought of his night at the opera. Well, in that case, we'll end on that. And um, that's pretty much it for this uh, episode, uh, Season 1, Episode 18 of The Late Show, as well as Episode 18 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast. Once again, thank you for getting this far if you're still listening. And uh, please enter. We've, you've only got two more episodes left. Actually, we've got one because the reveal of the winner of the favourite Late Show quote will be exposed, not physically. On episode 20. I used the wrong words. I am so sorry. Uh, so send in your entries, champagnelateshow at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, you've got that one episode left to do that. As well as send us, um, yeah, uh, interact with us on Twitter at TLS Champagne. Visit our website, champagnecomedy.com, and hit the forum that's barely getting a heartbeat, as well as the Facebook Late Show. <laughs> don't break it. Don't break it. Oh, so, so Don't post anything. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> I'm removing spam break. on a daily basis. <laughs> but also, I've uh, reopened the old group before pages existed on Facebook, which is the Champagne Comedy uh, group on Facebook. It's been sitting dormant since 2008, I believe. And now we've turned it into the Champagne Comedy Podcast discussion group. So all you have to do is look for Champagne Comedy Podcast on Facebook and follow the three questions, which I've only got up there because Facebook can make me do the security thing. Answer which way you want. Don't give a shit. I can all just let you in. Be part of that group because it's ever growing. Originally it was at 30. Now, as of like two hours ago, it's up to 74. So, Mm. (laughs) hooray. Yeah. Like I don't know. Everyone just started finding it, didn't they, Matt? Everyone's yeah. requesting to join. We don't know what kind of algorithms Facebook's serving up, but everyone seems to be finding it. Yeah, exactly. So go on and uh, be bored. 
So <laughs> just see the same. Well, there's, there's been a little bit of interaction. Uh, someone was posting about um, the Christian Television Association ad <laughs> and, yeah. and where the music came from, and then there's some other bits and pieces. Yeah, exactly. yeah. After this, it's going to go down to uh, four people. Four! So, yeah. anyway. Four! <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much uh, for tuning in again. And uh, also, thank you very much, uh, Alison, Daniel, Kim, Prue, and Tony, for coming back again. We've only got two more episodes of season one left. Hooray! Hey. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right. I'm Matthew, champagnecomedy.com. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.